Well, greetings from North Carolina. We come from the southern United States where it is currently summer. So, uh, you know, it, how much do we love you? I'm giving up my summer to, to come here. When, when we first started this, John was saying, you know, the best time is going to be June, July. And I was like, I see what you're doing. I see the trick here. Like, that, that's your winter. And, and uh, last time I was here in 2019, it was actually uh, in May, so it was, I, was, I was present for a Mother's Day sermon, and uh, so now it's Father's Day. But uh, we're, we're glad to be here. And so some people always get confused with Thomas and Thomas. Uh, so sometimes it's been T1, T2, uh, T-Mac, T-Quack, that works as well. And uh, also... Just glad to, to have Thomas here with me, and uh, today's his birthday, I'm not supposed to tell you that, um, or the fact that he's tur just turned 40, but uh, he, uh, he's celebrating uh, today, and, and uh, we're, we're just glad to be here. So I'm super excited with, uh, as well as preaching a Father's Day message, usually if I have to preach Mother's Day messages, it's... A little bit more difficult, you know, I, I kind of say I'm not a mom, never been a mom, uh, and so with, with fathers, I have a, a little bit more background, and uh, I have three boys, so I have one who's turning 13, and one who's eight, and one who's five, so uh, my wife uh, asked her how things were going, she's like, how do you think they're going, <laughs> so... Uh, they're busy, they are, um, you know, in my 13, the one who's turning, you know, really he's 13 going on 30 kind of thing. Uh, uh, my boys, they, um, they, they teach us the limits sometimes of our sanctification, amen? <laughs> I love my children, and it's been interesting, uh, a journey with them, because for me, you really start to see your own vices reflected in them. And, and what's funny for me, we, we have the doctrine of original sin, the idea we've inherited our sin from Adam and Eve, gums passed down, and I never saw that more true than when I had children, and they would do things that I did as a child. They would sin in the same way. No one taught them. No one showed them how to do it. And I said, this sin is genetic. <laughs> They've inherited this from me. So... Part of what we do in, in Families of Virtue and our, our focus for this, and it's, it's such a, a long story how God has brought this together. Um, again, 20 years, over 20 years in, in ministry, I'm currently serving as the family pastor. I've been an interim pastor, senior pastor, youth pastor, associate. I even got put in a closet one time and made bulletins. You know, I was the minister of bulletins. So uh, I've, I've, everything I've done has been how do we make disciple makers? When I went into ministry and I went in, actually, when you reading the, the longer background, it's funny because I'm like, I'm almost like, where did you get that? Did I send that to you? Because um, usually I don't bring up about the math. Um, I went in to be a math teacher. Uh, so I actually have an education background as well. I don't list it because I was one class away from finishing my education portion uh, when I found out I was philosophically opposed to our American education system. Got in and I said, I can't support this. And so I switched. I was going to be a math professor. And then God saved me from that by calling me to ministry. And that's why I have, a, I have a, really, it's theoretical mathematics is what I was doing. I was going to do a PhD. I was going to be a math professor. God called me to ministry, and that's why I have the minor in speech and theater, because I had done my major, and up to that point, I needed a minor, and I didn't have a minor because I dropped the education. 
So uh, I minored in speech and theater because I figured speaking lessons and acting lessons couldn't hurt as a pastor, and I was not wrong. <laughs> so, um, but that's why in, in my background, I went into apologetics because I was involved with the youth, and I said, uh, and this is circa 2003 when I went to, to seminary, and in those days in America, we only had two schools that focused on apologetics. So I recognized the church is behind because at Middle Tennessee, where I was, in the math department, all my friends were Muslims, atheists, and Hindus. That's all that was in the department. Like, it's really hard to find a Christian. And uh, so while I was there, I, 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 that's how I stumbled upon apologetics. I was very much a self-discipled person. Uh, very quickly, I didn't come to Christ through a church, through missionary. I came to Christ as a middle schooler because I went to a Christian school, okay? Never went to church, but I, went, I lived in an area that was uh, very dangerous in Memphis, Tennessee, so I was put in a Christian school solely for safety reasons, not because of any religious desire on the part of my parents. And that's where I heard the, the Bible stories and the gospel, and I began reading the Bible on my own, and I read through the Bible twice as a middle schooler. This is why my heart is, has always been in middle school ministry. And I was, I was halfway through my eighth grade year. I'd read through the Bible twice. I said, if God is who he says he is, based upon what I've read, you either have to be all in or get out. There's no middle ground. And that night I prayed, I'm all in. And then I called up my grandmother to take me to church because I read the manual. And the next step is you get baptized. Amen? Yeah. That's, the, that's the order of things. And, and the church didn't know what to do with me. They were confused. And so... Uh, because they, they wanted me to get resaved, I was like, that's not how that works. I read the manual. Like, I've, I've already placed my faith. I don't, don't need to do it again. This is continuous, you know. So, um, so I, I went and I tried to, to uh, go into apologetics to help disciple. And my goal, my heart was, how do I turn the numbers? How do I be the kind of youth pastor that doesn't lose 80% of his kids when they go to high school? Because that's kind of the numbers in America. And what I quickly found was, uh, as I trained up a new generation of youth from sixth grade all the way to senior, I was losing them just as fast. And I said that was because I, even though I had taught them all truth, they didn't care. And in some ways, I had tried to be a surrogate father to many of them because the family either wasn't involved, they didn't have a dad, whatever it was. And I also quickly realized that is an impossible task for every youth pastor. The youth pastor and the youth leaders in churches and in schools cannot replace the family. And I think one message I try to tell every single church is stop trying to do that. You can't replace the father and the mother. The church is meant to be an auxiliary that the, the parents are the ones who should disciple. So I learned this from ministry. Once I have uh, my own children, I realized uh, my wife and I, we've been married 22 years uh, we went, uh, tried to get through school before we had, we had children. So once I have my own, I realized the, the impact the father has in the home. And that's why with this Father's Day message, talking about fathers of virtue and the virtuous father and what this means, I want to, I want to give an example real quick. And I want to ask this question, you know, what qualities make a good father? And in our ministry, we talk virtue. And, and the reason is because in all my years in trying to make disciples, this seemed like something was missing. Like we, were, we had all this good information, we had the scriptures, we had truth, but 
something was disconnecting. It's this issue of virtue. And I use this word, and most people have no idea what that means. They're like, what, what is virtue? I've heard the word. What is this? It has to do with what we call our character, the qualities of our soul. And I think the biggest mistake that I had seen with, um, with, with churches and discipleship and everything else is that we try to do the right things, but we don't have the character to back that up. And we can't continue doing it. Amen? You ever tried to be something that you were not? Okay. So when we, when we talk about uh, this idea, what, what virtue is, I want, to, I want to give an illustration using Joseph. Uh, and as we, we think about the qualities, and you think of the story of, of Joseph, Jesus' father. Okay? We don't hear a lot about him. We get him right at the beginning because uh, we hear you know, that, that Joseph, when he was uh, you know, going to marry his bride, his sweetheart, and find out that she is with child. Now, that is not something that is supposed to happen. He was upset. He was confused. And poor Mary, like when you really try to get the story in, in context, you know, he's, he's got his fiance. They're going to get married. She comes up. And, and how do you say, well, I'm pregnant and God did it? We really got to understand Joseph's situation a little bit. Because I, I, my best analogy to that is when God called me to ministry and I didn't know what he wanted me to do. I didn't know if I was supposed to be a pastor, a missionary. I just knew I was supposed to get trained. And I had to go to all my math professors and tell them. And I said, uh, well, you know what? Um, God called me to ministry. I have no idea what that means, but I'm abandoning the program. <laughs> See ya. Like, you know, like, like it's, it's difficult. But Joseph, uh, when he finds out, so, so in the, the book of Matthew, just real quick, uh, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way when Mary, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Almost all the English translations read that way. I did a little digging. So in, um, in the Greek, sometimes things can be translated a couple different ways. And when I read this, and we look at it, and, you know, it makes sense. You know, he was a just man. He's unwilling to put her to shame. That makes sense in our context. He's going to be a nice guy, right? Joseph was breaking the Jewish law. By law, when his betrothed comes up pregnant... He was, by law, required to put her to shame. You with me? The Greek there could be translated, and her husband Joseph, despite being a just man, desired to put her away quietly. What I believe we see in Joseph, this new surrogate father to Jesus, we see him following the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. That requires virtue to know how to make those kinds of decisions. I believe when we look at Joseph, and he says, and, and we look at this, despite being a just man, this is, he's going to do what's right. We see righteousness in action. And this isn't the sermon for the day, but it's fun later on because just a few chapters later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom. 
I believe Joseph demonstrated what that kind of righteous, surpassing the righteousness of the Pharisees look like. So Joseph shows us a little bit, this is what virtue looks like. And so a virtuous father is no less a virtuous person. And this virtue has to do with a good quality of character. These good qualities, and such a person has this added responsibilities to put those virtues into work leading the family. This is what fathers, this is the responsibility we assume. This is what comes with. This is what our society needs. At the conference the other day, we were discussing the, the issue of fatherlessness that plagues both America and South Africa. The numbers are very similar, actually. Fatherlessness or uh, even when you have a father who's the father who's there but who's not there. Because, see, we don't really have numbers on that, do we? We don't have statistics on the number of fathers who are there but not there. In my own life, when I, I, my dad, he passed away in February, this last February. Uh, we got 10 good years with him. He was, uh, every year for 10 years, I would travel back to my home thinking this might be the last time I've seen my dad. So the Lord gave me this time to witness to my father to engage him, to learn about the history. And um, like I said, I, I love my dad, but my dad and I were so different. And he did not like church. And I would, he never said it so much, but it was almost, I was, uh, I have three other brothers, so there's four of us. I was sort of the shame of the family because I was a pastor. So I look at that and I, I look to my dad and you know, I, I realized, uh, and I was, I was joking at the conference the other day, I said, I had two rules growing up. Don't make a life, don't take a life, anything else in between goes. So that was kind of how my parents, you know, Ray raised me. So when we, we think about what does it mean to be a virtuous father, I want you to understand, because sometimes the ladies like, okay, we're talking about the dads, I can check out. Or worse, the ladies, you look over at the men, you're like, uh-huh, see, yeah, listen to them. You hear that? That's, see, that's not you. You got to do that. That's not what this is. Okay, because virtue, we're all required to be virtuous, but what we're doing is just we're looking at the same virtues applied to a specific situation, to fatherhood, because you take these virtues and you need to be virtuous in everything you do. If you own a business, you need to be a, a virtuous business owner. If you're a teacher, you need to be a virtuous teacher. It's the same virtues, just applied in a different way. So our focus today is how do we apply this in terms of the father, because for me, when I, was, when I married my wife, I was 19... Uh, 20. I was 20 when I was married. My wife was 19. Uh, we met much earlier. And, and honestly, I had no idea what it meant to be a father or a husband. I had no godly examples. So that's why when I was first married, I did such a bad job. Like my wife, like I've, even to this day, sometimes I've, I'm like, I'm really sorry for the first like three, four years of our marriage. You know, and we've been married 22 years and she's like, you, you know, you ought to be. But um, we've covered, you know, we, we, we've gotten through that. My wife, in many ways, what attracted me to her was her morality, because I grew up in an area where there was no morality, and that was the normal. So when I met her, and this was a long-distance relationship, I met her at camp. So sometimes when kids go to camp, you know, oh, I met somebody, trust me, that happens, we got married. So I met her at camp, and I recognized something different in her, and it drew me to her, and back in the day, it was her morality, her virtue. They didn't have words for it back then but I recognized it. And she, in many ways, civilized me. And so 
and, and what I learned is, it's, I'm, I'm being honest, I was pretty feral. So um, I didn't know, like I went to college, I, didn't even, I couldn't even fix a meal. I almost starved my first week because I just, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't wash my clothes. No one told me. And I think sometimes in the church we assume and we don't lay these things out and tell fathers, this is what you need to be. This is what you need to be focusing on. So we're going to look at the qualities that make a good person as applied to the father. We're going to do this through 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. Peter, when uh, he's writing this letter, his letter is his dying wish. And Peter, as he begins this letter, he's essentially telling his audience, he says, I've reminded you of this a bunch. I'm reminding you, of, reminding you about this now. And I'm about to die. And I've got people set up who are going to remind you when I'm gone. So this is how important this is, this message is. This is our ministry verse. This is, this is kind of what guides us and where we're going to hone in for today. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 5 he says, for this very reason, the reason being that we have already, through the Holy Spirit, everything we need for godliness. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Same Greek word Aristotle the philosophers used, by the way. And with virtue, or in virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, Steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me real quick. Father, as we've read your word, as we come into this place, as we seek to examine what you would have of us, Father, we know your word says that we have everything we need in place. But Lord, how do we use that? How do we, how do we be faithful with what you've given us? And that's our prayer this morning. Help us to understand that through your Holy Spirit we have access to the very nature of God. But may we work that out in our lives with both fear and trembling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we examine this, this passage, and, and there's several places in Scripture where Paul and others might list out different attributes, different qualities, things that we're supposed to be. You look at this list, and I remember, uh, I've always, you know, again, I've, I've read through the New Testament several times, looked at the New Testament, and I said, um, I've, I've seen this list, but it just feels like, okay, here's kind of like a splattering. Here's some ideas. But this is very pointed. There's something very specific going on. So when we ask, what kind of father should we be? The first thing that is, is necessary to really be a good father is belief in God. We start here. Okay. Now I'm going to really challenge our PowerPoint people, so they're going to, they're going to have to keep up with me, all right? So you guys good? You got it? Okay. If you don't, you know, I'll give you a thumbs down or something. So. All right, so belief in God, first thing. Now this corresponds, he says, uh, Peter, Peter says at the very beginning, he says, uh, add to faith. So he says, faith, this is the trust in God. This is the first thing. Faith is actually one of the virtues. It's a theological virtue that if we're going to be fathers, good, good fathers, we need to be fathers of faith. We need to be fathers that our faith is, is seen and recognized. That people can look at us and they know what we put our faith in. 
My family puts their faith in their money. That I come from, most of my family, I like to say it's a good line of uh, Irish pagans. That it's, it's money, pleasure, uh, substances, whatever it is. That's what they put their faith in. That's what gets them through the day. And to be, if we're going to be a good father, we need to, we need to, to realize that the, our trust in God, people need to see that. They need to know that, especially the children. Because our children pick up our vices faster than anything else. But they can also pick up our virtues when they see those things in action. They mimic, do they not? Those of you who have kids, you know that. Like you've, um, you never do this. But maybe you get mad at your spouse and you, know, you say something. And, and I used to jokingly like with my wife, and it was, it was complete, no disrespect, but I would, I would look at her and say, woman? Because I said Jesus did that. Jesus looks at mom and said, woman? So I look at her and say, woman? She's like, man. So one day, like my, my, my older son, he was uh, six years old. He looks at his mom, woman? <laughs> I did that. Yep, that was me. That's my fault. Uh, you know, my wife says, we have to be really careful because they're going to pick up. And I was like, you know, like, it's funny. Yes. And she, no, it's not. So we need to display that faith that they can see. What also makes a good person is moral excellence. And we say this moral excellence, sometimes the Bible will translate virtue as moral excellence. And this moral excellence, being a good person, that's what virtue is. And this is why Peter says, add, and, and again, the, the English just never gets really put the right way. It's really, instead of add to your faith virtue and virtue with knowledge, it's really add with faith, literally in the Greek it says with faith, virtue. It comes part and parcel. It's not like Legos. You're going to stick this on. Like, we're just going to be like, I've got this. Now I've got to go grab this other thing out here and tag it on. It comes right with it. And so Peter goes on. He says, and if we're going to be good people, we're going to be morally excellent, we need to be wise. We need to be street smart, handy. If we're going to be good dads, you know, like my dad, he could build things. He could work on cars. That's knowledge. That's why with faith or with this virtue comes knowledge. And in America, I don't know if it's the way here, but in America you watch TV and the dad is usually presented as an idiot. The bumbling dad, constant. It's, only, it's, it's why uh, if, if any of you, and I have no idea if you're familiar with the Australian TV show Bluey, I hear some yes. I got teenagers who watch Bluey apparently. I see, okay. So, so you just gave yourself away. Um, so Bluey comes from Australia, and it's, it's a cartoon, and I got little kids, and actually the older kids, I'm going to be honest, the adults, we watch it too. It's great, because no one's an idiot. The dad is a, he's, he's just a normal good dad, and, and there's unity of the family, like there's, there's such a, like just a goodness to this. And, and we're, we're so excited, like it's a good portrayal of family. And that's so rare to find. TV shows make themselves known by the dysfunction. And that's probably in some ways because we're more familiar with it. I often said, you know, my family, we put the fun in dysfunctional. So uh, my, when my dad's, uh, we were making preparations for my dad's funeral, I, I, had a, I had a splendid time because I was actually having a pancreatitis, uh, pancreatitis attack I ended up in the hospital later that day for a couple days. It was, I just barely got out in time for the funeral. Um, but while I'm having this, this pancreas attack, 
my two brothers almost come to blows in the funeral home. And we actually, the, the poor lady who was helping us, we were her second clients. She quit after us. Like, so I understood growing up, I understood dysfunction. I understood aggression. I understood selfishness. That was the culture. That's what I inherited. And that's why the parents, they're going to set that tone. They're going to show this is what it means to be a person. And whatever kind of person you're displaying, that's what your children are going to pick up. They're going to become that. So in addition to these, we need to be fathers. As we think of fathers, courageous, patient, persevering fathers. Well, that's the steadfast. When Peter says, you know, with knowledge comes steadfastness, this idea of being able to endure And we also, as fathers, we want to be balanced and gentle and studious. Well, that's the self-control that he says. And we also need to be fathers who are fair, honest, friendly, and merciful. That's the godliness and brotherly affection. Now, I think what happens, and this is is why most of my 20 years in ministry, I kind of look, you, you look at this list, and sometimes you can kind of feel overwhelmed. You look at this like, that's a lie. That's a lot of things to be, okay, i got to work on this, i got to work on this, and this, and this, and this. And it's just, it's, it's so tough because it's like, oh, i got all these things swirling. Well, what I learned and what we understood as we began Families of Virtue, and I think the, the one thing that really changed my whole perspective is that in not just Christianity, because Christianity for hundreds of years taught the virtues, but in philosophy, Aristotle, the whole crew, for the longest, they understood these things called the cardinal virtues. That there were these four virtues that sort of summarized the entire moral life. And what I realized when I looked at this list is I said, knowledge, steadfastness, self-control, godliness. Wait a minute. This is prudence. Go ahead. Prudence. Fortitude, temperance, justice. It's the same cardinal virtues. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. Because as I was studying virtue, I was looking at this, and like Peter's saying, if you want to make sure that you are not ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, these are the qualities you have to have. And I was like, it's the same cardinal virtues. It's the same thing. But again, so much stuff is swirling around, so let's reorganize the system a little bit. Go next. When you put these in a line, you're like, wait a minute. You you see Peter, the the information read. This This is what Peter is telling us. That add with your faith these things, prudence, fortitude, temperance, justice. It's all wrapped up in love. And it's like, wait a minute. What you're telling me is that if I start cultivating these kinds of virtues then I'm going to sort of capture all these other things. And that's the concept of virtue. This is why what we teach and kind of what we're telling people is that when you focus on four things, being prudent, fortitude, meaning courage, temperance, moderation, justice, giving what is due, what happens, what I, what I learned and I saw in my own life is I said, this helped me simplify the entire process of being obedient to Christ because, uh, and I don't have it here, but uh, if you come to the conference, you'll see this at the conference. So this is your, you know, you, you want to come, want to see this, we'll show you. 
I went through the New Testament and I listed out every single command from Scripture. Put a, and, and I tried, I actually have a slide, you'll see it. I couldn't fit everything from Romans to Peter, so many commands, so many things. Every single command given in the epistle by the apostle falls into one of these four categories. Every single one of them. And this is why I come, you know, fathers, we've got so much to juggle, so much to do. I said, you want to be virtuous? You want to be a good father? Four things to focus on. Prudence, wisdom, knowledge, knowing, be, being the father who just understands. Fortitude, courage, being able to withstand uh, the, the difficulties, being able to do what's difficult to reach what is good. When we talk about temperance, moderating the desires, being able to say that this is a good thing, but we don't want to do too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing, amen? This is why every time I come to South Africa, I make this point is that like, you're, you're, there's so much meat, and I love meat. Okay, I like chewing on dead things. I gotta be honest. Like I love the meat. Well, that's why I had a pancreas attack. Okay, so my wife told me she's like, "You're gonna have to practice this temperance." And uh, even last night we had a bry. Pronounce that correct? Okay. So we had a bry. We called a barbecue. So we had a bry. Uh, you know, and John he's fixing all this meat. And I've often referenced, you know, John is my devil. You know, get behind me, Satan, because he's got all this meat. And I'm like, Thomas, you want more? And I was like, Yes, but no. Uh, that's that's temperance in action, being able to say, you know, I, I had, I feel content. I don't need any more. And for fathers, how often do we see the fathers that take their hobby and just they take this good thing and that's just all they do? Or they become obsessive over something or we look at this and, and, and temperance, at least especially in America, is, is something we just don't have moderating our desires. And the concept of justice, giving what is due, treating others as people, this kind of thing. When, when Peter tells us and he says godliness and brotherly, brotherly affection, what he does, actually he's, these are two different things, godliness is giving God what is due. When we pray, read our Bibles, when we, we serve Him, when, when we worship, those are all godly things, Right? Because that's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. He deserves that. He is the God who deserves worship. Amen? Amen. Brotherly affection, that's, that's horizontal. That goes this way. That's lateral. This is with people. Friendliness. That, that true sense of justice. Peter actually he just told us, make sure justice both to God and people. It's all wrapped up. The, the day I saw this, I said, okay, this is what I need to focus on. This is what I need to be. And as fathers, this is why I say it's, there's so much to balance, so much to worry about. Break it down to these four things. Now, to, to bring all this together, we talk about being fathers of virtue. To, to sort of encourage you and, and to make sure we don't miss the point. Because I think in, in, our, in our ministry, and this is why we're hanging out a lot this week. And we're talking with the teachers. We're, we're doing the conference. I've seen in ministry this disconnect. And it begins with this, that, that a father's heart should be one that it's both informed, and that's kind of what we're doing today. I'm giving you like this new information. You're like, okay, never heard this before, saw this. You need to be informed, but you must also be transformed. And the biggest mistake we've made in our churches, and, and I say this as a pastor who preached for years, that we, we pour out the truth and we just assume that if they know the truth, they do the truth. If any of you have preached for any amount of time, you know that's not true. Amen? 
Amen. You know it. You know it. I was a pastor and I preached a, a sermon one time. The title of it was Be Nice. Do you know what it was about? Okay. Well, apparently, the people I was preaching to, my, my congregation, they didn't get that. Because we were in a 150 people center aisle. So in America, I don't know how it's done here, but in America, when in a small country church, you preach, you go down to the back, and you shake people's hand, and they lie to you and tell you how much they like the sermon. Okay? <laughs> so... I, I preached this sermon about being nice because in our church we had this problem and people weren't being nice. The adults are just not being nice to each other. So I preached a whole sermon on being nice. Before I can even get to the back, one lady crosses the other and just lights into her, yelling, screaming. This lady's crying over a floral arrangement. And I remember thinking to myself, do I preach that sermon again next week? I was catching on that information is necessary, but it's insufficient. I told you I got a math background. When we do math proofs, you have to have necessary and sufficient to prove the point. Information is necessary. It's not sufficient. There has to be a transformation. This is why when we talk to our kids, you know, we tell, I told them what to do, but he didn't do it. Why not? Well, because your kid has no transformation. Nothing in the heart. They know and, and my boys, they know. I said, it's my problem, too, because half the time, I mean, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. Amen? Guys, you like that? You know that, right? You know. See, now I'm just going to preach to the guys. So I'm going to leave the women out of that. You know, the, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, guys, and, and many times our wives do that. They're like, you know, you know better. Yeah. Why'd you do this? And it was fun. I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to say? You know, like, like every now and then I get a little bug, I want to be a jerk. You know, like that's, that's sinful nature. That's the reason this comes out. We need to be transformed, that inner character. We need fathers who model that excellence. That's another word for virtue, that excellence. This requires being excellence. And excellence as a virtue, it's a quality, not a quantity. So fathers, I'm not so much asking you to do more because that's what fathers feel like. I've got to do more, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. I'm asking you to be different because when you're different, it will manifest and people will see that. See, like people, no one has to convince me to eat a steak. I have within my character, my heart, like I want to eat the, the steak. I want the meat. You don't have to convince me. It's a part of who I am. Now, if you're going to try to feed me leafy green things, I'm like, that's, that's another story. Okay. I do like vegetables, but there, there's the case where it's, you know, I always joke, well, that, that, that's the stuff what I'm eating. That's what it eats. So I have this quality. I like the meat. When we have that virtue, what happens, dear fathers, we naturally, quickly, easily do those kinds of things because that's the quality of our soul. It comes out. But it takes so long to develop. It really does. That's why this is only a start. So this is why I encourage you. Start becoming the father you know you should be. That's really what, what's the takeaway from this. Start becoming the father you know you should be. And I'm going to be really honest because I had a tough conversation with my wife last night. Um, she's, we're struggling with our, our soon-to-be 13-year-old. He, he really is the, the good kid. He just doesn't think. He's got his vices. His, he's particular, he can be obsessive. These are just all, they're just, and I look at it, I was like, I know these are just the common things growing up. I did enough youth ministry, to, I knew what I was getting ready for. I always say, like the middle schoolers, the seventh and eighth graders, got seventh and eighth graders here? 
Okay, raise your hand. I want to see where you are. Seventh and eighth graders? Okay, good. I see you. Look. I like, I like that one. Pastor's daughter, right? Yep, okay. So what I always loved about middle schoolers is I always say, you know, they're, they're so deficient. You know, they don't know how to be human beings. They're almost like that, the little dog, the pugs. The pugs are so ugly, you just can't help but love them. Like middle schoolers are like that. They just don't know how to function. They struggle. I love them. My heart goes out to them. And I'm like, let me help you become a human being. So... I knew, I knew I was dealing with this with my son, and so my wife and I, we look at this, like I said, we've been married uh, 22 years, we have a child who we've only got five years left, we're homeschoolers, homeschool family, my wife is like, we've wasted so much time, I've done this wrong, I've done that, I've squandered, and she's like, how are we supposed to turn this around, and I said, be, we have to be the parents we know we need to be, it starts with us. Yes, our son has issues we have to deal with. He's, he's this tall at 12. He's almost as tall as I am. Uh, his granddad was, was like well, 6'4", 2 meters. I don't know, something like that. So uh, his grandpa was up here. So I knew we were going to have these issues. Like, none of this is surprising me, but I said, we, and we have to deal with it, but we have to be that. And my wife said, I'm not there. Like, I don't have, like, I, it, she so struggles with some of his issues. It's so contrary to her nature. She's like, how do we deal with this? We have to be the parents we know we need to be. It's got to start with us. So fathers, I give you this encouragement. Be the kind of father you wish you had growing up. Now, you might have had a great father. I think statistically, most of us would say our dad, we love him, but there was, um, there was, a, there was a lot we had to deal with in our adult lives from what we experienced. That's been, that's been my, for the most part, if you had a great dad, bless you. You were blessed by God, and, and you have a greater responsibility because you don't have an excuse like all of us that sort of struggle through these things, okay? So for me, I said, I'm not going to pass the generational curse. I'm not going to be like my family, and, I, and, I'm, and in many ways, what's happened is by becoming the father I want to be, I've actually ministered to my family in a huge way. And I saw it at my dad's funeral because I'm the only one of them who has hope. And I saw my elder brothers and I saw what it looks like when you have no hope. And, and just how they were, they were all, they're almost mad at me. They're like, why aren't you broken? I was like, well, number one, we, we knew this has been coming for a decade. And I said, his body's shutting down. I said, it's his time to go. And I said, this is, this is what we've prepared for. Like, this is what we're ready for, that this, this, is, this is how this works. And I said, I'm hurting, like, I'm sad. My dad is, is going, but I saw in my, my older brother, who's in his 50s, he's just on the floor, devastated. And, and I look at this, and, but I have to remind myself, this is what it looks like when there's no hope. If your hope is in this life only. By focusing on these four cardinal virtues... You can become a father of excellence, a virtuous father. And every single person, we look at this, this is what we teach. We want to reclaim virtue because what's going to happen is that if we have fathers and mothers, you're not off the hook, fathers and mothers who are virtuous, who, have, who are able to transfer this and not just inform but transform their children, you're going to have strong families. And if you have strong families, guess what you have? A strong church. And when you have a strong church, you know what's going to happen? You're going to change the world. That no less than by bringing up 
virtuous parents and virtuous families, that's how you're going to change the church. It's not through the latest program. It's not even through the mission organizations. It's not even through conferences. Those are just auxiliaries. But when you go out and practice virtue, and you even in the, it seems so small, it seems so, so irrelevant, that even just last night as I was sitting, this was at Suzette. You'll know Suzette. If you don't know Suzette, get to know Suzette. I was at her house. We were having the braai, and I'm, I'm sitting there freezing. I'm in a blanket. Everybody's making fun of me. And, and, I'm, I, and again, I choose not to eat, and everybody's like, Thomas, why don't you have more? I was content. I was practicing temperance, and I look at this, and I say, in the grand scheme of things, is it that big that I didn't have like the other animals that they were eating? No. But in the sense of here I am practicing virtue, I'm reflecting the God who is all goodness. Don't minimize in your family those small moments, those small things you do as a family, as fathers and mothers. That is good in action. And when that comes from your character, what you're doing is you're displaying that for your family. You're transferring that to your family. And you are, you are fulfilling the mandate of the kingdom. You are being Christ-like. You feel like we so many times, you know, like with, with us going to South Africa, I think Thomas got it more because this is his first international trip. This is my sixth, I think, going overseas. So everybody's like, yeah, bye, see you. So for us, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to Africa. And everybody in America pictures Kenya. I just want you to know that. So <laughs> when I go to, I, yeah, I'm coming to Africa and, and people, oh, I can never do that. And I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. So uh, I, I said, we, we look at that and we think, oh, that's where you're really doing stuff for the kingdom. And I said, when I am with my children and hold my temper and show them, this is how you respond with frustration. That's probably a greater act because it's so constant in the home. Going to Africa is easy. Get on the plane, everyone else does the rest. But to endure in the family, to display and cultivate those virtues. I'm telling you, you have the harder task. And I think that's why we all fail so miserably. It's, we, don't, we minimize it. Like, what does it matter if I've you know, lost my temper? I'll just apologize. Every victory of godliness in the home is a victory for the Lord. I challenge you fathers, you hear nothing else. Be the father you wish you had. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Fathers, you become that kind of father. You work towards that. You will see the fruit in your family. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you as we are able to examine our own lives. That true ministry does not end with this service here, but Lord, ministry begins the moment we go home. We're never out of ministry. We're never off. And our families, Lord, our families are our first ministry. And Lord, you know, it took me a decade of saying that before I finally understood it. We can say it. Help us to believe it, to practice it. I pray for the fathers here. I pray for the mothers who are in search of father figures for their children. I pray for the families that have long roads ahead. But Father, you've promised you'll walk with us every step. And I pray more, Lord, for the, for the youth 
that in this church they will raise up a new generation, that we have an epidemic of fatherlessness, that this church, this school would know that it is not raising children, it is raising men and women. And I pray, Lord, you will give them that vision. Give them that whatever it is they are lacking, Lord. You've given them everything they need for godliness and holiness. Whatever they need in terms of sustenance, in terms of people, in terms of influence, God, you are the God who is in control. So we just trust you that we know that when we become families that are focused on you, that Christ Jesus is magnified, he is lifted up, that the world can see the gospel in action in the lives of Christian families. I pray, Lord, the prayer that Peter prayed, that we would not forget, so that we would be growing, we would be ever-increasing, in these qualities, that we would not be ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.